0: Would you grab your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter 1, verse 8? In the 16 minutes I have remaining. What? See, I tell you, it's hard to stay under 10 minutes, isn't it? Not so much. really good things. So last week, when... Uh, Casey and Riley were sharing. I had planned to um, share this, and I think the Lord had other plans, and so I'm going to share it right now. Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat back in front of you or somewhere nearby. Jesus is risen, he's appeared to the disciples. And in verse four, I'm just gonna do that real quickly. I'm sorry, I just can leave, leave it on whatever wherever you are, Katie. They said that uh, do not he appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God, and on one occasion he was eating with them, and he gave them this command do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom up to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, there was political turmoil. In the day they had a Roman government ruling over the people that they did not want to have. There was a desire within the Jewish people to not be under the boot of the Romans. They knew that their scripture said the Messiah would come. They knew that that Messiah would set all things straight. And so them being good Jewish boys reading their Bibles, knew that the Messiah was in front of them. and They said, is it time now that you've risen, that you are going to set things straight? And Jesus said, it is not your business about when I will do that. But here's to what you are going to be about. There are things that we just are not to be about. You know, we're very politically motivated in this season and all these types of things, but the church's role It's not about that kingdom. We're about the kingdom of God. And he says, all this stuff, restoring the kingdom, are we going to make America great again or not again, and all that type of stuff? He says, you are to be about this. He says, I want you to hang out in Jerusalem. And he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my what? witnesses Witnesses. in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth your life, my life the church's life is really defined right there in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 Jesus says I have desired I've risen again, I'm coming back but until I come back you are to be my witnesses. What is a witness? We think of a legal term, don't we? A witness in a court case. What does a witness testify of? Tell them what they know, what they've experienced. What they know, what they've experienced, what's happened. Paul would go and he would talk to all these people, and in his greatest testimony was I used to be this, but now I'm this and this is why I do what I do. Amen? We just heard testimonies of the power of the risen Lord working in the hearts of His people. Witnesses testifying of what God has done and what they're doing because He said to go do it. Amen? How many of you feel like you're not a witness for Jesus Christ? You're the kind of witness, maybe, that you shouldn't be. Anyone? I'm good on Sundays, everybody. The word witness is the word basically for martyr. Did you know that? The original word is martyr. And it became known as martyrdom because the word was originally martyred because the people witnessed of Jesus Christ so much. They testified to who he was. They identified with Jesus so much that they were willing to identify him with him even To the point of death. That they would love so fiercely, lay down their lives so readily to Jesus. Have their possessions taken from them, be thrown before lions, be burned at the stake, be put on poles and dipped in oil and used as uh, lighters uh, for Nero. They were so ready to identify with Jesus. They were so focused on his kingdom and his truth that they became known as martyrs and became known as witnesses of Jesus. It's pretty powerful, huh? It's pretty amazing. What's the key to being a witness of Jesus Christ? What's the key, church? It says it right there. What does it say? Work it back with me. Say it out loud. What is it? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit give us? Power. How many of you feel powerless to be a witness? Anyone? When you look at that Goliath in front of you, you're like, oh my gosh. No way. What do you need? You need power. What do you think the church is probably lacking? Right, Which means that we're lacking in what? Wow. So if you have the Holy Spirit, what happens? You will be my witnesses. The key indicator of someone who witnesses for Jesus Christ is whether or not they are filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you know whether you're filled with the Holy Spirit or not? Well, there's the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. You have love, you have joy, you have peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You want to know the power of addiction? It's to be filled with the Spirit. Do you know that? Because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You want to know how you heal marriages? Filled with the Holy Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self control. What do we need more of? Patience. Yeah, totally. Patience. We need more of the Holy Spirit. Another word for the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> oh. Well, we know that the scriptures teach. That when we are born again, we're born of the Spirit. We're we're new creations by Christ Jesus. In other words, Ephesians 2 says that before Christ, we didn't even care anything about the kingdom of God. We didn't care anything about being a witness. We didn't care about sharing our faith. We didn't care about giving, serving, none of that stuff. We were self-centered beings. Now, we had a candy coat on us, amen? But at the core of that wicked lollipop was me. And I just wanted me kingdom, amen? Anyone? Anyone? You all relate. But see, what happens is religion is that outward wrapper. Look how shiny and beautiful I am. But what happens is when we receive Christ, he comes in and changes the very heart of who we are. Jeremiah says that he, I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll take out your heart of stone. And now we have the heart of Christ within us. The spirit of Christ comes and dwells in the middle of our hearts. But it doesn't stop there. Now we, we long to do the things of the Spirit. We want to do the things of God. We have a new nature, a new thing. We still have our dumb old man attached to us, this body like a dead weight we're dragging around, right? That's what the resurrection's about, new body, amen? amen. But we have the Holy Spirit within us. And once you feed, we'll grow. Very important. We have the Holy Spirit, and He longs to do the will of the Father, just like Jesus, the Spirit of Christ. But how many of you know you have the Holy Spirit in you, but you just there's this point of you just stop short of being empowered to be a witness. You you stop short of being uh, being empowered of doing what God has called you to do and to be. Amen. And there's just a tremendous amount of warfare in that. Have anybody experienced that? Amen. I think one guy we can all relate with is Peter. Peter was a zealot for Jesus. He loved the Lord. But he loved him like a brother. He didn't love him like God loves. Because God's love is sacrificial. And I I think this is a beautiful illustration. Remember what Jesus said? What Peter said before Jesus was, was crucified? He's about to go to the cross and and he says, hey, you guys going to leave me or something like that? Peter goes, man, where else would we go? We know that verse. And then and then later on he says, hey, I'm willing not only to go you to Jerusalem, but I'm willing to die for you. How many of you say big boasts for the Lord? <laughs> Send me anywhere. Do anything. Okay, love your wife. I love you. Something bigger, grander, different. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we have big boasts. We, 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 want, we have this heart for God, but we don't have the power to do it. Does anybody relate with me? Can I hear an amen? amen? And Peter was right there. What did he do? He abandoned Jesus in the moment God had called him to stand, right? He abandoned, he had the best things, but when it came down to actually doing it, the living it out, he said, no way. And he kind of did a half-hearted thing. He stood by the fire and he was watching from a distance. And there's one point in the book of John, I believe, where Jesus sees him and he meets eyes with him when that rooster crows the third time. Because Jesus said, you want to do this, but you don't have it in you, Peter. I know you don't. And he loves him anyways. And that rooster crowed and... And eyes connected, and it says he went away and wept bitterly. Guess what he did? He went back to fishing. He went back to what he did before. And how many of you in your walk have felt like, man, I'm trying to follow Christ, but there's just no power, and I'm not a witness, and I'm just stuck, and I'm going fishing. And you just go back to the old hole you were in? Anyone? And so Jesus pursues Peter. Remember, Jesus pursuing Peter. He goes after him. Peter's out fishing, and Jesus is on the shore and he's making fish. Jesus already has fish, by the way. He's cooking it. He's on the shore. Peter looks to him. He says, "I think that's the Lord." He just jumps off the boat and starts swimming towards him. And then he says, "Peter, do you love me?" Remember, three times. And Peter says, "You know, I love you like a brother." In the Greek. We know that, well, I know, that Jesus says, what does he say? He says, no, Jesus says, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter says, I love you like a brother. Do you love me unconditionally, Jesus says? I love you like a brother. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to tend my sheep, Peter. Third time, do you even love me like a brother, Jesus says? Brings it down to his level, and Peter just breaks down Christ. Yeah, it's better. Basically, yeah, I love you like a brother. I don't have this unconditional love for you. I thought I did, but I don't. I want to. I don't have it. Fast forward to Acts. Jesus says, Peter, I want you to wait until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. They already had the Spirit within them. John already John already describes that the Spirit was breathed into them. They were already born again. They already made clean. But there needs to be that overflowing, that overpowering of the Spirit within our lives. And when that happened in Acts 1, 8, the power fell. Upon the disciples, and they spoke in tongues. And who is it that stands up in front of all the people that he just denied and starts preaching Christ, and 3,000 people get saved? Who was it? What's the difference? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not something to be freaked out and scary about, it is when people make it weird. It's not about barking and clucking and all this stuff. And I have to clarify with barking and clucking. There are movements within the church that say that in order to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to do weird things. That is not what Jesus was. That is not the gospel. That's a false gospel. That's just weirdness. You're not going to act uncontrollable. You're actually going to have self-control. Amen? Through the Spirit. And by the way, that self-control is not a prudishness. It's going to be mixed with what? Love. Love self-sacrifice. You're going to look like Jesus. More and more. Amen? And so the question is, well, how, how do I be filled with the Spirit? How do I receive this power? Ephesians tells us to not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. You know that? Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That tells us that we're getting our power from somewhere else. Where are you getting your power from, friends? Spirit. TV, entertainment, social interaction, <coughs> sex, drugs, rock and roll, I don't know what it is. We're all getting our power from somewhere else. And they're all counterfeits, so and they all feel good for a moment. But that word, if you, if you kind of go to the Greek, you know, three minutes, come on, we're going to bring it home. But the power of the Holy Spirit it says don't be influenced by the Holy Spirit. That we're, Don't be drunk with wine. That word drunk is influenced. And the idea is that you have a ship with a sail and, and, and the life is being blown by that influence within our lives. There are people being influenced by other powers, by wine and all those things, which leads to debauchery, a broken life. You see, if you're being powered by those things, you're going to lead to be, uh, have a broken life. Is it instead for you, believers, church, they flip over to Colossians. We'll get there when I get back to Colossians. Same sister verse that says, be, uh, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. And then speak in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. See, the fruit of being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians is, is be filled with the Spirit and speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Edification, building each other up. You see that? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you love people. And you start singing and praising and thanking God and your life is an overflow as opposed to being influenced by wine where your life is a mess and self-centered, amen? What's, your, what the, what's blowing the sails of your life? Karen shared it was, it was her or whatever it might be. Marcus said, I want to know, but I just was just working about me. A career might be that sail that's blowing your life. But he says, I want you to be filled by my spirit. And in your life. And that's that's also would, sorry, that's also to be filled with the word. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. The word and the spirit are together. Amen. Because you're filled with the words of Christ. What did Jesus say? Go love one another. But now I want to be empowered to do it. How do I do it? And then you get into the Beatitudes, and Matthew says, he starts talking about, hey, I want to pray. And you remember the ask, seek, knock verses? In Matthew it says one thing and in Luke it parallels it. But he says, ask and shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And at the bottom of it you find, out, it find it finds out that the Holy Spirit will be given to those who ask, seek and knock. What does that mean? Blessed are those who Hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you shall be what? Filled with what? what? Bam. Then you will be my witnesses. You will have power. The way is the cross. There came, and by the way, this is the Holy Spirit doing this, anyways, to you. Do you know that? It's not your idea that like you've got to muster up some idea. It was God's idea to wake you up to the fact that you need him to fill you. So guess what he wants to do? He wants to fill you. What do you need to do? Ask, seek, knock. Why does he have to perpetually? Why do you not just ask, but you have to seek? You have to knock. You have to pursue. Karen, when she was sharing, she said, I think it was Marcus, uh, Karen, one of those people, was sharing, Let's see, I want the Holy Spirit. But they had to pursue him. Why do you think Jesus would have us pursue him? What does that demonstrate in our life? Faith. Faith. Faith is not just, I love you, Lord. I'm going to go live my life. Faith is, I believe, and I continue to believe. You continually ask, seek, knock. And God has created you in Christ Jesus to be his witnesses And to be filled with him. He's already in you, but he wants to overflow. How do you get the overflowing? What's blowing your sails, friends? Is it his word? Is it his people? Is it his mission in life? Or is it your own? Some of you in this room don't know Christ. You're dead. And these words fall off its foolishness. Some of you feel the tug of the Lord saying, I need this. I don't have it. If that is you, Christ is calling you this morning to come to him and to receive him. Some of you are in church, and you've been in it for a long time, but you are no kingdom good. I've been there. I do it on Sunday mornings. You go, oh, he's preaching, therefore check mark. Are you kidding me? I want to show you, it's difficult to be a witness. We need to be continually being filled. And here's my illustration. I have a picture I want to show you. this really quickly. We think it's all preaching the gospel and stuff. It is. That is the first picture of me parked in Seattle. You see that little space between our car? Now I want to show you the back. That's the what I really want to get. So, demons out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. You'll see it. you you'll laugh. Christine couldn't even get her finger in between the car that was behind me in the car. Someone pulled up, we were sandwiched in, and they had the sticker on the car that they're going to come back in an hour and a half. That was a lot of fun. That's not a joke. And there was another picture, they were illegally parked, and they just pulled up the site. So here we are. I just had, got back from the cancer doctor. And we decided to go downtown, to go to the wharf, whatever it was, or whatever it's called. And I come back to this. Let me tell you, hellfire, brimstone, and judgment of God. It's hard being a pastor in a small town. It's good for me, but it's hard. The Lord gave me an hour and a half to get in the spirit. because what was I going to do? <laughs> I was going to give him the kingdom of Matt, church. <laughs> You're laughing, but what did Jesus call us to be? His witness. In every circumstance of life, and believe me, I failed on the car ride up with my family, and, and so I'm just saying, in every witness of Christ, every, every circumstance of Christ, right? Every circumstance. So, I waited like a wolf for my prey. <laughs> she came to the door. She reminded me of the view, Hannah. This is really weird. I saw her, I'm like, oh no, this is the Hannah, is it? It's <laughs> um, similar age, you know, longer longer brown hair. And um, she went to the little parking meter and she just opened her door and stuck in another hour. We closed it and then she walked in and said, I said, I've been waiting here for an hour and a half. Would you please uh, back up so we can get out? My family and I can get out. And she's like, okay. You know, her eyes were a little glazed. That wasn't what reminded me. If you don't worry about it. <laughs> but she got it. She, she, she got in the car, hit reverse, pulled up a little bit, right? And Christine comes over, gets in the car. She's gonna drive because I'll run over someone. And I decided to well, go over to that girl's window and pull it down. And I look her square in the eyes. And I said, God loves you so much. I said, God loves you so much. I said, He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for your sins. And I couldn't get the word sin out of my mouth. She goes, Is this a sin? <laughs> 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 I said, "It's selfish." Says, "You need the Lord, and He loves you." I didn't mean to ruin today. day. I left. She didn't care. No, sorry. That's the world. What do you expect them to act like they're saved? But Jesus. This is the thing. I'm that person in that car. I'm oblivious to how I treat others. I'm a self-centered person. And she's probably a nice person. Who knows? You know what I mean? And Jesus comes, instead of giving me the wrath I deserve, he comes and gives me what my heart really needs. It needs to be changed from the inside out. Whether she listens or not, I don't know. It's not up to me. But what I'm called to be is a witness. And I don't become a witness unless I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's not easy. You have to pursue it. You have to stop and ask. Now, Lord, I need to be your witness when this is not right and it's not cool and I'm in my flesh. And the Lord gives you an hour and a half to think about it. Praise You, Lord church he's called you to be a witness amen what's blowing your sails seek him and find him and you're going to see the fruit and the good things that god has for you and that's what we're desiring to do is at this christ community fellowship lord we just long to be in prayer on saturday morning it's we long to give you our first and our best we want to pursue youth because we love them we want to be a witness we want them to know christ All these things we just want. We want you to be glorified, Lord Jesus. Make us a witness in the community. Make us a witness when people walk in this room of their love, amen, and the truth of the word. Lord, we pray this morning that uh, as we go forward that your power would just be demonstrated in our words and our deeds. That we truly would be filled with your Holy Spirit. That you would visit us, Lord, here. And that you would just walk among the aisles and move and stir your body as you see. And Lord, if we're lame and we're not working properly and we're not functioning, Lord, just have mercy on us and and speak a word of life to us. We love you, Father, but we want to love you not like Peter before Acts. We want to love you like Peter after Acts. And so fill us with your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen.